All right, so I am here with Andrew Mandanak, who's the former video production manager at Balboa Park Online Collaborative and is currently the social content manager at the UCLA Anderson School of Management. Um, Andrew, do you want to start by talking about what you do now and maybe um, what you're currently working on? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, you kind of said it there as far as titles. I'm, I'm now um, at UCLA and um, Really, I, I guess the, the main kind of difference of what I'm working on in the sense is um, before I was kind of splitting video and social media and um, at UCLA, I'm strictly social media. So um, it's the school of business. It's a, a graduate school uh, at UCLA, and I'm overseeing social media for the business school. Um, so it's I'm kind of parlaying for the centers and, and um, you know, talking about we have, I think we have about five or six. Um, centers at the business school, making sure I'm kind of disseminating that information, uh, as well as um, our right now just kind of amongst the channels that we have, our editorial team um, for the business school is managing Twitter, so I'm kind of overseeing them, really looking at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, and YouTube actually, um, and so kind of just, again, disseminating and making sure things are getting shared out as they need to be, talking about alumni stories and student stories and really um, using social media as a digital experience for um, the Anderson Network. Sure. Um, so do you find any differences working uh, with that kind of content now versus what you were doing before at the museum? Yeah. Um, I'll, so I guess I'll start with that. The, it's different, like I said before, was that I get to just do social media, which is still its own, like, task, right? There's still a lot to be done. Um, but before, I was kind of splitting, and so that, that created its own challenges in different ways. Um, but as far as actual, like, when looking social media to social media, um, a lot of what I was doing in the park was writing strategy and kind of – or de I guess I should say developing strategy, because there were certain um, – certain ways that, you know, dissemination of information and things, but as far as community engagement and, um, you know, new platforms, like I started Snapchat and that, like anything in that realm beyond kind of um, the way things had always been done on Facebook and Twitter, um, anything beyond that was just kind of new ideas, and, and that's where I was, I was leading that. Whereas for Anderson, um, they hadn't had this position before, but the team – um, that I'm now working with, from the director even to my supervisor, uh, the majority of them are coming from uh, ad agencies, actually. And so there's already a plan. There's already a, a strategy. We understand um, audiences are, have already been established and, and understood. Um, so I'm kind of – I'm getting used to them, but, but they're familiar as an office. And so we're really able to continue. And first and foremost for me, getting into this position was just consistency and um, a little bit more personalization, which is similar for the park. Um, but really, it was it was kind of I don't have to write as much and figure out engagement. There, it's already there. There's already an alumni network. There's already um, foundations for that. It's just a matter of putting content that will resonate. Um, the other thing that's different, actually, that I think is interesting is um, again, there's a lot of content we have like four or five people just on an editorial staff who are writing blogs, and uh, we have a design team 
doing website stuff. So there's, there's just so much going on just from the marketing department that I'm in, let alone all the different centers that, like I say, I, I see it a lot as dissemination of information, um, which to me is it's an interesting puzzle to kind of solve. I hope that answered that. <laughs> um, so when you were at Bilboa Park Online Collaborative, uh, you worked on a project called Lost in Bilboa Park. Um, can mm-hmm. you tell me a little bit about how that that project was developed um, and maybe how you were involved in that? Yeah. Um, so that is Nick Honeysett's um, kind of uh, his idea for when he came to the park. Uh, and it was really a a, a way to – connect the institutions. A lot of what we did at BPOC was um, really thinking about the ways that we can unite, and that was um, everything from a social media group that I I founded and and was kind of bringing them there to, again, kind of this big picture understanding of visitors coming to the park um, and being able to say, I like Harry Potter. I'm going to go into the website and look at these different playlists that people can access. So, again, I used Harry Potter as an example um, it's just a, it would be a way to tour the park through different thematic playlists um, to look at different collections. So, um, again, going to the Model Railroad Museum, tying to um, the Hogwarts Express, or um, an owl feature at the Natural History Museum, um, things like that. And so really being able to understand thematically what was going on in the – either what was going on, so there were certain event-type things, or um, just to come to understand the collections. And so this was also a big um, uh, digitization component. Um, so my role in that was to work with the photography for the initial stages of the project to um, really, when you log – when you go on, when you go to the park website, you can have these itineraries or playlists um, and when you'd go through, you, you know, you'd choose what section you'd want and the photos that were pulled up that kind of had corresponding text to it, um, like I say, whether it was about Hogwarts Express or, or something like that, um, would have images that would, that were, that's what I was doing. So I took those photos. Um, there, was, there was an idea for a later stage that um, they'd be gray, and when you get to the very end, if you kind of complete it in somewhat of a passport fashion, um, They'd go to color, things like that. So there were there were definitely phases that were um, planned for that. But again, kind of thinking in terms of uh, uniting the institutions and really bridging the fact that there are 15 organizations in such a close proximity um, within one park and making this a park um, endeavor. So working with um, so many different institutions, like all within one, um, did you have to collaborate with like with a lot of different people or, um, I don't know, was it challenging to kind of try to unite all of those different parts into one project? Yeah. Um, so I actually did that quite a bit, both in video and social media. Not not as much for video, um, just in the sense of producing one is a lot of work. And so I did about three or four videos in my time at BPOC that were um, park-wide, so 10-plus orgs. Um, and that's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen, which is a lot to deal with in any production. But um, so we, we did a summer camp video and some like special event videos, things like that. Um, and you know, and there's there's some there were a few uh, one instance actually that I can think of exhibition wise that were museums coming together. Otherwise, it was pretty much 
it's just a lot budget wise logistically speaking so video was, was tough but it was it was always certainly there and i think um it's something that like can be motivating but it's an ongoing discussion um social media wise i mentioned earlier that actually i started a um social media group uh noticing so I, basically we had a, a a centennial in the park uh, 1915 was the a World's Fair in San Diego that essentially put San Diego on the map. Um, and so the centennial 2015 was really big for San Diego. And um, I was noticing as the social media manager for the park that we were like, I was talking about the centennial and all the museums were, but we weren't actually like talking together or overlapping or sharing content or even liking each other's content. Um, it just wasn't really happening. So that was really the impetus for um, the formation of this group, which then snowballed into a citywide, I, sh I should even say countywide um, group that was, again, just talking about trends and how can we support each other and, you know, let's talk about, uh, you know, um, new technologies and who's using Snapchat, who's not, what do we think about Facebook Live, anything, anything in that sense. Um, so that was Again, a, I think a really good opportunity for BPSC as the tech leader. I mean, we were going to conference, or we, they go, we all go um, to conferences and things like that um, to share that with this group. And I really, from the start, when I, you know, when I first started as an intern at BPSC, um, that's always how it was with this, this kind of, we're going to lead the conversation, but the best way to do that is through collaboration. Um, and there's certainly plenty of one-off projects, but I think, um, while it's a challenge, the purpose and the strength of what our office does comes from the collaborative projects and the collaborative initiatives. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it was certainly a challenge at different points. Um, and I say that even, like I say, budgets and logistics for videos or um, just the learning curve for social media. Some institutions had budgets and um, teams and others were strictly volunteers who may or may not have known anything about social media, but were doing it. Um, so there was a lot of, within that conversation, there was a lot of, I get it, or I want to participate, but I don't know how, can you explain first? So it was really, um, like I say, it's, that created its own challenges, but was, I think, very beneficial for the park as a whole, and even San Diego um, as a whole, to have that kind of discussion behind the scenes to then celebrate arts and culture through social media. So for, um, sorry, um, stemming off of that answer that you just gave, um, yeah. for an institution that's maybe smaller and doesn't, you know, doesn't have the resources to hire somebody to do a job like that, I mean, how would you recommend that they um, kind of seek out support from other maybe leaders in the, um, in the field? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, what, what should they or how should they do it? I mean, I guess it really kind of depends, I guess, depending on what, what background um, initially the person has. Um, it, it's, it's tough because I think a lot of times thinking social media means every platform, which then creates its own barriers of maybe someone knows how to do Facebook, but not Instagram, but we need to do both, and then they kind of suffer um, you know, so I think if, as, as far as figuring out if they're a smaller institution, maybe just being um, 
better at understanding like what they actually are looking to do and then which platform would do that and then having um, someone help in doing that. So whether that means a BPOC type of organization or um, looking to national or even ISO national conferences like MCN, the Museum Computer Network Conference, or regional conferences and being able to um, learn in that sense. Um, but I also think it's not to be that guy, but to be like, oh, you can Google these things, right? Like there's, there's <laughs> such a um, heavy, I mean, we're, we're in that world now where we can, we can learn these things and connect um, as a starting point, right? And then, so I guess the background for me with social media, I didn't actually start that way. I started with video production and someone left and they were like, you're young, you can post to Instagram, like do it like once or twice a week. Like it's not a, it was not a big deal. No one really cared. A few years in, I just kind of kept doing it uh, due to politics of the park and different offices and things. It was actually a different office doing Facebook and Twitter. I was always different from Instagram. Um, and overnight, not overnight, but in the sense of after new CEO and when Nick came in, um, at that point, it was, oh, wow, this kid knows what he's doing. Instagram really took off, like it's kind of its own force. Um, so, and I, and I only say that just because I'm thinking in terms of a smaller organization, uh, it's 40,000 plus now, right? But like that didn't happen overnight. It's, I started it with 3,000 and it was really small. People weren't really paying attention to that Instagram. Um, and I think a lot of times institutions are just like, we need to be viral. We need to, do, like, to become viral right away. Um, but just understanding consistency is huge and to really grow with an audience and figure out like what is the voice of this institution, let's just own it. Whether that means, like I always kind of was like sassy at the park, like I always felt like I was actually a 100 year old like institution and could kind of play this like, I got into a Twitter fight with, not actually, but like with a friend at the library talking about age and we know better because we're actually a few years older and blah, you know, or whatever. Um, so I think just kind of whether it's serious or not, um, figuring that out and then just going with it, you know. Um, so it's long-winded, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are some of your favorite organizations to follow? I mean, museums or otherwise. Do you have any? Yeah. Any favorite? Um, I think I'm going to end up giving you all museums. But uh, yeah, I would – and actually now that I think about Smithsonian heavy – um, the um, National Museum of African American Culture um, and the Women's Museum, I think both do, I think they both break the, the argument of you can't handle current events and history and art at once, right? Like, they're, so they're equally relevant, um, also are able to handle um, uh, current events and topics that aren't necessarily like easy or or actually I take that back that are considered not easy in a lot of a lot of meetings that you may have um, but I, I think it's really valuable to be able to look to them um, and, and often I do like I still do even now that I'm out of the museum field um, because I, I mean again I think they're able to present information in a way that's exciting, historical, challenging, uh, you know, and allows us to reflect um, in a way that's not necessarily preachy or, hey, come to our event, or, you know, I think they're serving things up and, and really understand 
those students in particular understand how to serve content on each platform as the platform demands it or requests it without it strictly being, we have an event. Um, yeah, and then I think the Royal Ontario Museum is really, really exciting. Um, they, I just, as far as like innovative, like they, I mean, jumped on Snapchat right away, jumped on Facebook Live, um, and are, are testing and trying new things. And then, I, I mean, they're doing that and then succeeding, so that's one thing. But I just the fact that they're even taking those steps and saying, let's be silly and let's maybe go into uncharted waters and figure this out without having said, oh, another big institution hasn't done it yet and we're, not, we're just going to copy them. Like, they're the ones actually setting the bar, I think, is really exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, all of the above, like, I'm, part of it, too, is, like, I've come to know the managers of those institutions. So part of it is also just, like, supporting and then being challenged by peers and colleagues, um, seeing the work they're doing and saying, well, how can I do that or how can I do it in my context, at least. Um, you know, there's, there's a certain drive to seeing that. But I, I, it's not to say that in their own right, they're not just fantastic um, managers doing really great work. So, um, yeah, I'd say, I mean, the hammer, too, I think, actually, I actually, the hammer in particular, I think, does a really great job at um, talking about events without actually making it feel like an event. Um, I mean, it's certainly understood, like, it's still a promotion, but I just, I really think that, Maybe part of it goes to shout out to the programming, um, but what they're offering and, and the conversations they're having through their social media channels is really interesting. Um, and but again, kind of when thinking about how they're talking about events, I'm constantly saying I wish I could go to that in a way that I'm not saying that all the other t you know all the time for yeah. other institutions. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Do you think that's like the event itself or how they're talking about it? I think a little of both. I mean, um, again, they I know that at the Hammer they have tested live streaming um, and different ways for institution for for people to engage with the institution and to actually interact during. Um, so whether it's live tweeting, in addition to like an actual live stream going on. Um, the fact that, like I say, I remember they were doing a dance movie series this summer. It was a heat wave. And, you know, just the fact that they were like, some, I just remember something about like Magic Mike. And I was like, it was really well done that they were like, it's going to be hot outside, but come in, although it might not be like that cool because it's going to be steamy with Magic Mike or something. I just remember being like, <laughs> this is really silly and really fun and very like, it's still an event. Like, it's still just like, hey, come check it out. I'm like, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think there's, it's kind of multiple levels of whether it's the come to our event or the fact that they're making it so people who can't make it are able to interact with those events um, in different ways. I think that's what excites me, too, is that there's multiple ways per multiple events. Uh, it's a lot going on over there. Um, in addition to the event just being awesome itself, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you talked about, like, uh, social media um, accounts that are, like, innovative or 
approachable or maybe like an extension of the museum's mission instead of just like a promotional tool. Um, yeah. What do you think are some of the most effective ways for museums to to embody those qualities? I mean, you kind of talked about some of them, but do you have any? Yeah. Um, so the, the woman who used to run the, I, I guess I'll give a few examples. The woman who used to run the San Diego Symphony was really big on like direct communication. So on the social media channels, the emails, she had a specific email made for um, it was like Kayla at Symphony or something to that effect. Um, so people knew. She had said that she'd come to learn at her time there. People weren't responding when it was like info at, you know, um, things like that. She would, she would, she's actually the reason why I started referring directly to San Diego when I was at the park, um, addressing as a public park the public. Um, because she would do, hey, Symphony followers. I, there was, it was a more concise term, but. So I think there's that, like just going and understanding who your audience is and talking to them. Um, I don't think that's for everyone, but I, again, I, I, per context, I think that made sense. Um, and because it was very focused. Um, yeah, so then, but I also think there's being able to be, I would say relevant, but that seems weird, but like being able to talk about current events, not in like a, you know, hey, come to us, we've mentioned this, or we know how to use gifts, but actually being able to use it to talk about art theory or history or um, anything of that nature. I think being able to have fun and relating back to, like, your current exhibit about things going on in the world around us. Um, I mean, I think that's what art does in general. Um, or I should say museums in general, too, because you could even talk science or, or history museums and whatnot. Um, but being able to, I think, understand just what, what you're talking about and having a comfortability around the actual conversation um, and then being able to relate it to a photographer's birthday or something of that nature where that is just a starting point to then dive in and say, okay, let's look at this photographer on his birthday and talk about, you know, how... Um, I don't know, not coming up with a good example, but being able to look at, um, you know, maybe how, like, early motion pictures and how that has to do with, like, representation in media today or anything of that. You know, like, I'm thinking of an event that the California African American Museum did, um, but looking at, like, current topics of representation through silent films, and that was a, a lecture they gave and, and had some Twitter conversations. Um, yeah, if that, so... I guess, so some of it is just being able to have fun and others I think is being able to maybe break down a topic and then start the conversation and get people engaged in that actual interaction, whether it's Twitter or Facebook comments or anything like that. So as far as like getting people engaged, um, do you notice, I mean, there's got to be trends. I see a lot of social media accounts that are just like pretty one-dimensional like they just promote events and things yeah I think yeah what do you think are some um some things that museums could be doing better in that area to engage people yeah I guess so I'll say because I feel like that also wasn't the best last answer but part of it as far as like engaging right there was the whole like I don't even remember a few years back like the dress 
like what color is it thing and like a lot of institutions yeah. <laughs> were doing the like what color is this painting and, and there's certain times that it like it kind of works but like I think that's a very particular situation as opposed to like a national ice cream day or something which is a different type of version of that um but I, I remember doing that like there, there actually happened to be these leaves in the park that were low weird and it's like that was us trying to do that right um <laughs> and like that's fine it got some laughs and comments and and I think that I also think there's, like, a time and a place. Like, not every institution at every level needs to do that, but it kind of helps when applicable. I think different sized museums can do that as a way to join a conversation. Um, but once you kind of hit a point, you can't go back to that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, and, and so in that sense, like, I, I feel like that happened with the park where I wasn't really doing that as much. Um, and then I found with, like, Snapchat, when we started that, I think there was a, it was a lot more like day-based things, ice cream. So let me go to this thing and find a picture, you know, or a painting on display with ice cream or um, national whatever day and let me go to the science museum or something. So I think that's an easier approach initially and it's, it's an easy way to kind of get into things that people are already talking about it becomes tiring because you have to constantly do that research. You have to constantly like run around for these different days. Um, and that's why I think getting into your own voice though, you're able to figure out through that kind of thing, through those kind of days, what works with your audience, what works for you as, as an employee who probably have a boss saying like, why are you posting about national hot dog day or something? Or, you know, so there's a little give and take on both. And again, when I started with Snapchat in the park, like I was doing that and it got to a point where that was fine, but I, I did less of that. And there was just this transition from those days to um, doing these tours. And so I would actually go through and say, like, I had gotten enough of a following where people would respond on our Snapchat. And um, I would then go and like say, okay, today's tour is going to be in the Museum of Man. And I would, you know, go through and they had a race exhibit on at the time. Um, and so I, I walked through and, and showed different elements of um, of this exhibition. And the next time was at the Museum of Photographic Arts. And so that actually became this model that um, I was doing to actually, in that way, was kind of almost like a not live. I mean, it was not live in the sense of like other social media platforms, but like people would tune in at that um when I, as I was posting and say, hey, thanks, or um, given that I'd be there for a few minutes, I would, I would kind of start with, if you have questions, let me know, and so I could respond, or I could go back and tag a picture or find out what year or whatever. Um, yeah, so, and so that kind of became this model, and it, if that makes sense, like this, so it kind of started from one version to another. It's not constantly like the Snapchat was always just random national days, and so I think I started to see that on Instagram. I, I, I guess I see, at least in my own work, like I kind of saw that in Instagram and even on Facebook. Like, of course, we do that, but it's, they started to whittle out, I think, for me, just because it was a lot of tracking and just a lot of work in a way that was good when starting out, but not not always the most. Like, you have to evolve, and so it's going to evolve, too, I guess, in that sense. But. Yeah, I never, um, I never thought about Snapchat, using Snapchat that way, like a live kind of tour, sort of. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I, at least. Yeah, like I don't know if that's 
we don't have we don't have that Anderson right now, but like I don't know if I would necessarily even do the same thing again. Like it just mm-hmm. again because there was so much to do in the park, and, and as the umbrella institution, you know, one day could just be outside on a trail, or you know, like there was just it was a, an avenue to kind of show uh, the different institutions without actually saying, "Hey, come here." Like you know, in a way that's completely different and looks different than how we were talking about them on. Um, Facebook or Instagram or anything. So it, I think it was specific to the audience based on kind of the direction I felt it was going and wanted to take it. Yeah. So on the other end of the spectrum, do you have any like cautionary tales or anything that you've seen or done that's been like a failure or like just really ineffective? Um, where do I begin? No, um, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of some, like, good ones that just would be helpful as far as the conversation we're having. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's, like, one in particular that we, we did this talk, or a program that we were doing at, at BPOC was um, this BEAM tour. And so um, BEAM is a, a telepresence robot that, like, you can control remotely, um, and it's, for lack of a better term, it's a Facebook, uh, an iPad on wheels, which I'm sure that they're not, would not love to hear as an endorsement, but it's, <laughs> it's this screen with a body that kind of rolls along. Um, and again, I, I actually saw it at the Museum Computer Network Conference. Um, people who were not able to physically attend were able to log in and roam through the conference, and there's a microphone element to do that. So, uh, with BPOC, we did this program where um, schools who couldn't uh, get to the park, whether that be financial or, or other reasons, um, would take a tour. So we would actually have an educator on hand, and would basically this educator was walking through the museum with this robot following it. Um, again, that the kids in the classroom were following, and so we, uh, this, it was this program that with a curriculum developed around it, and. Mm-hmm. We decided we needed – actually, I, should, I don't remember if there was, like, for the grant we needed to do this or we decided this, but we ended up doing a, a Twitter conversation to try and um, have an additional component, not necessarily for the kids because these were – it was elementary school, but to just try and have another – like I said, another component to this work that we were doing. And we did, we did a run-through, and it was, like, some likes and whatnot, but no one was – like, no one cared about this, like we were tweeting out facts and certain questions and things, weren't having a lot of engagement. But part of it was, well, who's this supposed to be for? If it's, we're talking about an educational, like this classroom tour, but like trying to, but that's not who our audience is on Twitter, both the natural, the Air and Space Museum, who is the hosting it, or BPOC. So we kind of revamped and actually pulled our colleagues from, um, you know, the museum field and, and whatnot, uh, and then turned them into two Twitter conversations during the tours talking about classroom learning, uh, museum education, things like that. And so it actually became this conversation, like I say, that wasn't really part of the um, kids' curriculum, but was still in conjunction with um, this learning. So it actually helped the program, and I know it helped the Air and Space Museum, whose program it was. Um, hearing from other educators, uh, someone from the Guggenheim, uh, someone from the Met, I want to say, I can't remember. Anyway, so yeah, these, but we have these, like, I mean, across the country, basically, um, 
talking with us about a di- different things. So it's, in that sense, that I guess that was our mistake. Like initially, that was the problem. Was we just kind of were tweeting, and both the Air and Space Museum and BPSC, like it just wasn't going anywhere. And so just thinking that, oh great, like we'll tweet, so they must respond. Like that's not a thing. Um, which was silly. Like I should have known that too. Like that's I I always talk like that. Like I won't. That's not how we operate. Yes, that's what happened. It was easy to fall into that pitfall or pit trap, whatever. But um, yeah, so that it, it was really at that point where it was like, let's switch gears, let's do this. We've got two left, and we ended up having two conversations. Um, otherwise, I mean, I, I would just say as far as, like, cautionary tales, just thinking about, like, it, it is – I was really lucky in the sense that I kind of had free reign. Like, no one really cared what I was doing, um, knowing that I was, I was going to post responsibly and everything, but no one was really checking in which is then once I started asking questions, we're like, you should be the one to help kind of forge this strategy and things like that. Um, but that's like uncharted territory, right? Like this, I've, I've talked to someone else in another institution that I won't give a name, but this kind of um, like stepchild account where it's not the main account, but um, it's still got the brand and it's still being managed by um, by, you know, employees of the institution and doing so well, but almost in a way can be, can in certain cases be more exploratory than the actual main account itself. Um, So that's a very weird situation again, but I think understanding like the, the challenges of having people above you, looking at numbers, looking at things like that, um, just a word of advice, I guess, so to say, like, maybe have those conversations initially and try and, for your own sake, right, like to ask what, is, what are the goals, what do you want to get out of social media and why all three, um, you know, if that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's like the main ones. Because if you're, if you're able to get your boss to either buy in or explain what they're looking for, it makes it a lot easier than just doing it and then disappointing them because they've got these expectations that haven't been clarified. So, it's, yeah, I, that's a, I think that's a whole other conversation we could have, but that is as far as challenges and kind of even pitfalls, um, maybe trying not to have to fall into those, those traps um, by setting up the goals and expectations early on or, or at least reevaluate them if they're, if you're already kind of managing, but um, it's not working or you're finding trouble, you know? Um, Yeah. Um, So what, what do you think are the, like the top um, goalposts for success for a um, social media account for a museum? Um, I mean, I, I guess it depends. Like for the park, we were we were really looking to grow. So a lot of times I was just looking at our numbers and, you know, as far as how many follows and things, um, you know, and that growth. But really I think it's, it's, I mean, definitely engagement too. Like a lot of, definitely follower counts don't, don't mean much, even though that's always the main metric that I find a lot of folks have to report. Um, and even, even starting in my, new position, we were talking about 
yes, we want to grow likes, but that's not what we're going to judge you on or, or, or judge is not the right word, but that's not what we're, we're looking exclusively for you to do. We want you to make sure you've got engagement coming along with it, which is, is a big part of what I do. Um, and, you know, we, we looked at a lot of our competitor schools and a number of them have huge numbers way above us. Um, but they have the same, like, engagement rate, uh, same, you know, roughly the same number of comments and retweets. Um, that varies from time to time. But overall, so, you know, it kind of just makes me wonder, well, we can change that. I, we can then kind of, that's where I think we're, the, level, the playing field is a little bit more level than we can master that. Um, so looking at that, right, like who's commenting, how many times, how many reshares, uh, like, you know, what's actually going on with the content, how are people actually, like, using what you're serving, right? Um, and so, I mean, so remind me of the question one more time, the top, like, goals, I guess? Yeah, yeah, like, um, how would you define, like, a successful um I don't know, your yeah. initiative okay. or maybe, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's a better, I think, phrasing for me. Like, the, the I guess a, a more successful one, though, is one that, like, again, is going to have a lot of people just kind of buzzing around your uh, your institution on a digital platform, right? So I think a lot of it, too, is not just your posts or anything like that, but really even encouraging, like, how many people are actually even just going to your institution and tweeting at you, like, at a minimum, like if you, if an institution wasn't even responding, is there already a discussion happening? Um, I think that's huge too. Like obviously you should, and institutions should be responding and should be be there wherever they're tweeting. But um, that to me is like you want to have this air of accessibility and conversation that I think means having people talking about you, even if they're not necessarily doing it on what you're posting. Obviously, you want them to do it on what you're posting, but I think there should be, it should be both. Um, and, and then it's up to the institution to be able to loop into that. So we actually found out there was a Balboa Park after dark handle um, before a Balboa Park after dark series came into play. Um, and I started posting there, and a lot of my, like, evening posts then had that hashtag that was pretty well, like a decent sized like, community was already like engaging with that. Um, and then took off even more so once like the Pokemon Go craze ha went and like um, people were like flooding. It was, it was almost in certain days like busier at night than during the day. So again, like knowing that cycle, um, I think that makes like that, that would be a successful goal, right, is to have people coming and talking about you and then you being able to get into that conversation. Ideally, you'd already be there, but right, but like for people or institutions that are growing, um, mm -hmm. being able to get in that conversation and do so in a way that's very, it's organic, not just, hey, look, I found this hashtag, let me talk about an event that people may or may not be of the same audience, you know, but they happen to be at the same time or something. Um, if you can't tell, I'm not big on like just pushing events. Um, but, I, I, but I think there's that too. Like I guess maybe that's a challenge I'd like to refer back to. Is I think a lot of institutions just use social media as a way to talk about events when really that's not – I mean, social media is a communication – they're communication platforms, right? It's social. Um, so I think it's a challenge that a lot of times like institutions or managers have is – 
for one reason or another, they're, they're just pushing out events, whether they're told to, managers are told to or not. Um, but that's, that's not always how, it doesn't always feel like organic in that sense. So, um, yeah, sorry. So let me, I'll step off my soapbox now. But. <laughs> no, I mean, that makes sense. It's not, it's not just like a free uh, platform to like shout about things, right? We want exactly. to talk, talk back and forth. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so as far as metrics, I mean, you talked about like followers and um, like tracking how many people are sharing and, and commenting and, and things like that. Um, what do you think? I mean, I don't know. You said followers are always like the main or the big metric to track, but um, what do you think are the most uh, telling for having like engaging social media work? Um Oh man. I mean, I, I guess I was saying though that like a lot of times just for reports, like people who aren't really like supervisors or, or directors or whatever, who don't really understand what social media is or how it operates, like just ask for following mm -hmm. follower numbers in it that, but I, again, that like that gets into like unique views and not and otherwise. And so it's, it's that gets tricky, but I mean, as far as what I would say for analytics, I mean, that's one thing I'll say I'm, I'm gaining a bit more at, at the new position is um, following that a bit. Like even looking, Bowel Park was unique in that it had a, it was a very strong following with a pretty regular schedule by the time I like came into it. It was, I mean, um, so we kind of, there were certain patterns like morning and afternoon kind of things. Um, so we really, it was in that sense, like we didn't do a lot of analytics and we didn't, didn't look at that. Um, it was, it was really kind of growing and then I'd see the engagement grow in that sense, just as, as we're moving along. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of getting to a point, you know, in, at Anderson where we're looking at Facebook analytics directly with, you know, what is, what is the interaction with our Facebook page? Um, it's a lot earlier and it's a lot later because it's around a work schedule as opposed to people coming to a cultural park for tourists, you know, and looking for tourist information. Um, what are the conversations around, you know, Twitter? And so I, I'm, in a sense, I'm, I'm a little short just because it's, it's not a big part of my background thus far, but um, something that I'm developing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'd really just say, like, kind of – developing in the sense of looking further at who our audiences are and um, what they want. And and my supervisor is really big on, uh, currently my current supervisor is, is really big on knowing who they are. And this actually, I guess that goes back to, I know the Getty's done something similar to this, but understanding profiles. So knowing who your, your audience is, not to figure out when to post, but to understand what to post. And so, I mean, as, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of content coming in already um, and good, it's good content. We have high level video producers. We have a strong team of editors and like good writers, right? Um, so we, it's not like we're at a short for content. It's, it's just a matter of my under, you know, as my position is new, like being able to understand what's the best information to serve where and at what times but to, and to who, right? Like, so once we kind of know who they are, understanding these personas, we can understand what's the best 
thing. So that's, I guess, the metric that I'm kind of looking at, or the metrics I'm, I'm trying to understand at this point is who at all points of, like, you know, not only, like, what times, but, like, what are they act actually interested in? We're dealing with, like, graduate students and a lot of times people after that, right? Like, so alumni who are, we're talking in terms of, like, the New York Times readers and things like that. Um, so it's a different, I mean, in general, a different tone that I'm going to take, but also um, the, I mean, the way we're sharing success stories or talking about entrepreneurs is, is building up. And it's not, I guess, not as much metrics, but um, like I say, just getting to understand that to then be able to serve up um, faculty research in a way that is not anything like I was doing at the park. But, yeah. So thinking about like um, user personas and knowing who your audience is, I'm thinking about where I work specifically. Um, our audience tends to be um, older and more, they're like very traditional. Mm -hmm. So it, um, like if you're trying to expand your, your reach and like connect with a new group of people, um, and I don't know if you would have the answer to this or not, but um, how do you how would you um like think about targeting a new maybe a new audience or like trying to entice a new audience to to visit without alienating your current audience yeah that's i mean is i guess that my follow up real quick here is 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 it still older even on things like twitter and instagram cuz i would assume it would be older i could understand that as like facebook wise yeah, I mean, my where I work specifically, I don't even think we're on Twitter. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the my yeah the initial thought is, first of all, what like that this is a big conversation we had at the park. Um, it's a little that's what I guess where I'm what I was trying to say before too is figuring out who I'm talking to now. It's very different. Like we almost at the park we kind of had like everyone because it's a public park and there's grandparents bringing kids and there's also just families bringing kids or people who just are adults and come for trails. So there's, there's a little bit of everyone, whereas this is, Anderson is so much more specific to, you know, 25, you know, people who are applying most often, you know, 25 to 35, um, things like that. So it's, it's a different targeted look, right? So I'm, I guess I'll speak more to like the park situation where, we we were kind of focusing or had historically focused on like information about the park, but we weren't actually addressing kids, people of color, women specifically. Like, we kept saying we wanted to talk about women. I'm like, well, why don't we feature that? Like they should be represented in our photography. Um, you know, like if, if we want to, so I guess that would be part of my first, like first part of the, what I'm trying to say is show the people that you want to be responding to. So that way they can say, they can see themselves reflected in your institution as a way to kind of start that um, conversation with them. Um, you know, and, and some of it's going to also have to go back to like programming. And it's not to say, like, I think a lot of times as I would start to say this, people are like, but we don't want to alienate. That's totally fine. You can, but you can totally mix in, you know, content that is, you know, talking to teens as it is to adults, right? Like, I, I always laugh, too, when I see, like, institutions that go, you know, do something on Facebook or Twitter, and it's like, hey, teens, 
who's responding to that? Like, really, what teen has ever said, like, oh, I hear you <laughs> calling me. Like, that sounds like a great event. Like, no, that should actually be geared toward a parent, you know, to bring teens right. in. Like, it just, it, it's who it's meant to be, but just because you've said it's for teens, just because it's about teens does not mean that it's for teens. Like, I think figuring that out is, is really big. Um, yeah, so I, to, to not, like, alienate, I also think, there's a big conversation about like, what do you want to talk about? So for us, it was, it was like, when I was there, national parks were under attack and um, we as a park wanted to kind of reflect in, in that like current space uh, as far as like a national dialogue was taking place. Not that Bible Park was a national park, but still, um, the largest urban cultural park. So there was still enough of, I think, a relevancy for um, public parks that there was a conversation. And I think it, the a conversation that comes up a lot of times when dealing with those things is, but we don't want to scare off donors. We don't, we didn't have the donors portion of it, but like I, I know a lot of institutions hear that where it's a concern of if we get quote unquote too political or too, Anything on any on any like imaginable like topic, right? Like if we get to that, we'll drive them away. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a line that institutions have to walk. But it's being able to figure out certain things need to be open, right? So um, we started to share more information about LGBT and the LGBT community in San Diego. Um, and just given the fact, like I actually did a takeover with them because there's a long history of the Pride Parade uh, being in and around Balboa Park and San Diego and things like that. Um, so just it's, it's more than just saying, like, happy Pride and doing a rainbow something and, you know, with, like, branding of the institution, but really showing – for us, we were lucky. Like I said, we had a history of photos that showed Pride started in the park and continued, and there were different variations – over the years of that. So we could actually share that. That might, and That's not always the best case, historically speaking, for institutions, but more than just saying happy pride, it was Bubble Park is proud to continue this legacy, right? Like those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, sh- like representing people in the park that we wanted to have a conversation with and developed a whole new conversation in a way that was, I'd always done these like sharing that out, but it, this, it, you know, it finally got to the point where it was like, duh, how have I not thought about this? Like, show historical photos the week of Pride or something, and, and really, you know, throughout the year, but, you know, it's kind of starting that, if that makes sense. Um, and know that it'll be okay, like, if they're going to, if people are going to be like, I don't want to see Pride, they're not going to want to see Pride in in a way that just says it was a silly, like, colorful picture or something versus like actually celebrating like the history of the event if there's going to be a naysayer that like at least a, in the park experience there were going to be the naysayers regardless but um so therefore we should actually reflect who we're talking to rather than trying to do some like branded post um, yeah so have you ever had to deal with any of those like negative comments or do you, what's your strategy for dealing with that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, I have. And it's horrifying when you're not prepared for it. Um, and sometimes you can't, but I think there are certain times like, you know, you're going to, you, you'll hit a wall or something. Um, we, 
so the, again, the park being 100 years old um, due to the centennial and everything, there's, there were always different levels of, like, updates to the park that would incite um, concern and outrageous posts on our, you know, towards us. Um, so, like I say, in that sense, knowing that, it was just a matter of, well, we have a press release coming. The mayor's going to be here. It's still a public park, and the, the city still runs it. So, of course, we have to do this. We don't have say in that, but we have the ability to prepare. Um, there, so, I, I mean, I think if you know you're going to post something, whether it's, like I say, a, a live stream of a press conference or, again, talking in terms of, like, bubble park specifics, but if you know you've got something coming down the pipeline, just be prepared. Like, don't – I'm – I was of the opinion that we should tackle things head on um, and and respond to everyone and answer questions. And, again, I think that also – stuff like that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, being personal and being, um, you know, really engaging with people. So um, not just giving a cookie-cutter answer. Sometimes that works. You know, sometimes there's a time and place for that, but because um, it can – you know, a lot of times you're just saying the same thing to different people, but specifically with any sort of update to information about construction in the park, there were a lot of people who had louder voices in other areas that we couldn't control that, that then muddled the information that was that we were seeing on our pages. And so I, I thought it did us a disservice to be quiet. I, I felt it was our responsibility to share the information as we knew it and to clarify the times that we didn't and that we were, that the mayor was, had, we could only share what had been publicly said by the mayor, right? And to just clarify that, because I think a lot of times people are like, it's going to be completely changed. And no, we just need to keep saying what has been said. Um, for times that it's unexpected, um, I, I think still being prepared as much as you can beforehand um, I'm thinking specifically of uh, disasters. So we had a um, there was a active shooter scare one time. Uh, actually, it happened a few times. But we at, at, after the first time, we kind of started working towards more preparedness um, matters. And I think just in those sense, uh, in those senses, just really, even if you can't understand or or know what to say each time. I mean, I think there are obviously disaster plans that can be had and, and be made, but um, understandably that takes a lot of time. And in our case, that was multiple institutions coming together to figure that out. And so that just wasn't anything when it happened, that wasn't anything that was in place when we did it, when, when things went down. Um, but we were prepared enough to know that again, we were, we had certain signals that we were waiting to hear from the city or from different institutions. Um, again, part of that social media group, like I just already knew people's numbers. So I think knowing who to contact and, and or not to contact or whatever and figuring out like, do we talk to press? Do we not? Certain game plans like that, like even at a most basic um, help. Um, and then as far as like, I guess I'm, I feel like part of your question is just simply, if something goes down, um, something is said or done, like, I'm, again, always, of, at least in any experience I've been in, like, I just think it's, it's, you should be 
straight with what's going on, say why things were done. Um, if something is seen, I guess, I know this happens all the time, but uh, a colleague at an institution once asked if I had been in a crisis management situation around an exhibition. I had not, but um, I had guided that. I just, again, I think taking the appropriate responses to um, explain what the, why things were chosen to be done as such, and so, so at least as an understanding. Um, and, then, and then in addition, adding any sort of apology that's necessary, uh, obviously, you know, not meaning to offend, things like that, but I, I'm, I always believe that it should be a more um, open, as, as much as possible, right? As much as obviously managers and, and you know, the, any CEO kind of buy-in or anything like that needs to happen. Um, Again, this is not major scale institution. I mean, I'm not looking at the scale of like the Smithsonian or, or Met or anything. Um, so maybe mid-level museums is kind of what I'm, I've been talking about thus far. But I do think it makes sense uh, if the scale is a bit smaller to be more forward and um, transparent about the process and um, you know anything of that nature. So I was recently reading about. Um... I can't remember what the term was. I think it was like reputation crisis management plans or something like that. Um, is that like is that like a best practice kind of thing? Do a lot of organizations do something like that, or is it just kind of like ideally we would have a plan? Um, um, yeah, I think I don't actually know. I've never um, I don't have a lot of experience with it as far as like seeing it in action, I think a lot of it has to, it, I think it's standard practice as I understand it that bigger institutions have it partially because there's legal teams involved and they're able to help with that. Um, I, I actually haven't heard of a lot of institutions who have it, surprisingly. Um, I, think, I think now, like I think in our current past few years, um, I've started to hear more people starting to work on these things um, but it, I mean, again, for the park, it's, it's slightly different, but like we had technically anything that was going to be done would have to ultimately be checked by the mayor as far as the response. And, you know, um, so we would have Bellwell Park marketing was going to do what, or the office that deals with that, um, would have to be a voice, the institutions would have to have buy-in. So there's a lot of, right? Like, so I can understand it at, at a museum, like a lot of departments would have to buy in or this and that. Um, yeah, so, but, but I mean, like I said, and that's what I say, transparency in the sense of we're sorry or anything like that might be a slower time, um, you know, if the bigger you are, right? Um, and it, I think it makes sense, but as far as, like, plans, I, I actually haven't run across an institution that's like, we've got this figured out if this goes down. Like, <laughs> I just I may mean, not, it might also, it's not like the most, fun topic, so maybe there, there are probably more people out there, and it's just, I don't know, but um, when I've heard these conversations come up, I actually haven't heard a lot of people with set plans in place. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's such a new, like, way to communicate with people, too, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, it's, it's, with the active shooter, there was a lot of, like, it just was unclear, too, for us, like, we were the main voice, but we were trying to, like, we still, it was new to, like, the information itself was new to us, 
So we had to figure out what to do to then figure out how to respond to then also hopefully make sure that, like, the museums who are on the same property as us, like, are on the same, you know, parts of campus were responding hopefully after us and hopefully with the same information as us, but they could find their own, you know, like, so it's, whether it's a natural disaster or a human-based um, issue, I, obviously there are different ones, but I think we're at a point now just as a as a cultural awareness that, like, people are looking to us during these times, um, that, that institutions are starting to set in more official plans rather than we'll just be silent when something goes down. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So thinking towards the future, um, where do you think social media is headed? Um, and how do you think organizations can, can embrace new like social media trends um, in the, the most meaningful way? Yeah. Um, I knew this was coming soon. It's still, still a good one to fall. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, like, Visual and fast-paced, I mean, I'm really curious to know what, um, I mean, I think it's easy to just jump on, like, the Snapchat lag and stuff, but really thinking about, like, what is VR going to do in an institution or, or or even how institutions use it within their confines. Um, I mean, I think part of that has to do with just understanding not necessarily, ooh, we've got VR, come put on a headset in our space, but, like, I think the real challenge or question that um, institutions should be asking is, you know, what what is our mission and how are these technologies going to further that or how can we use it to further that? Um, so rather than just, I don't know, this is a random example, not anything, but like how instead of just like jumping into a painting through VR, how can we use it to actually talk about, you know, conservation or, um, maybe even using it as a way to look at the history of the time in which paintings were being made or, you know, the painting is made or something. Um, and that's, like I say, that's just an art museum that I'm referencing. I mean, obviously history institutions can use it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it's thinking about it less as, less as who we need to have it and, like, I, don't, I think I'd be fine and a lot of people would be fine if, like, an institution didn't have social media or the thing if they were doing other things interesting, right? Like, so I, I think how can, how can any technology really just kind of share what we're doing and not, like, what we're doing as far as events, but, um, again, like, the actual mission of what's going on or the exploration of what makes us as an institution interesting, you know? Um, so I think that to me is, I, I'm more interested in those questions other than maybe even like what's coming up for technology because that I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I don't know if that's my, my best um, response, but uh, definitely thinking about just applications and um, I always call it like an audit, like even for social media, like, just because kids are on Instagram, like I know a few institutions in the park who are like, we don't really, that's not our audience and we're fine with that. Like, so then maybe you don't need to be on Instagram. Like, and that's okay. And if your Instagram's already kind of suffering, 
it's all right. Like, you know, so thinking about it that way and, you know, or even conversely, like, if you want to get there, like, put your energy into it and, like, really develop it in a way that it needs to be developed and and is required to do so. Um, and I think, that would, I mean, like I say, for any technology, that's how it should be, not just, cool, we've got to be our headset that kids put on, you know. Um, yeah. But really investing in good narratives um, and exciting approaches to further developing something that they wouldn't be able to explore without this technology. Well, I think those are all my questions. <laughs> Do you have um, cool. anything anything else that you'd like to add? Or um, No, I mean, nothing's really coming to mind. I mean, thank you for having me. I guess I would say I'm, I'm always open for anyone who's listening um, for conversation, whether that be via Twitter or, um, you know, email or anything of that nature. Yeah, uh, I'm around and got stuff online to, to find me in, a, in those ways. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to continue the discussion if maybe our conversation sparks questions for people. So. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to, to hearing this. Yeah, all right. Thanks. Did I cancel out?